What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all. As always, big, exciting Sunday of college lacrosse that we had. And we will go over that on today's show. But before I do that, I do want to mention the games coming up tomorrow or I'm recording here on Monday night, so it's tomorrow, but by the time y'all listen to this, uh, Tuesday afternoon. So we have UMass Lowell and UMass at 1 p.m. Uh, do not know if there's a live stream of that game or not. And then at 5, we have Delaware and St. Joseph. So should be a decent one there. I don't know if Delaware will have a full team yet. Uh, remember last week, they were missing Charlie Kitchen, among others, um, Jake Hovada, you know, multiple other key players uh, due to uh, COVID testing or protocols or whatever. Um, and I believe, I don't know exactly when they got tested or whatever, so uh, they might be back, might not. But either way, uh, two uh, pretty good teams there in Delaware and St. Joseph's. And then on Wednesday, we have Sacred Heart and LIU. And I think that's the first, yeah, the first NEC game of the season, NEC conference game. And then we have Mount St. Mary's and Towson uh, on Wednesday as well. So those are the three, or I guess four games uh, coming up before I hop back on here next on Thursday. So UMass Law at, uh, versus UMass at 1 p.m. on Tuesday, Delaware versus St. Joseph's at 5 p.m. on Tuesday. On Wednesday, Sacred Heart and LIU at 2 p.m. on Wednesday, Mount St. Mary's and Towson 5 p.m. on Wednesday. Um, the two Wednesday games are both on NEC front row. The Delaware St. Joe's game is on uh, Delaware's streaming service, uh, which I believe is free. I actually believe it's on YouTube is where they stream the games. Um, but we're not talking about what's coming up this week quite yet. We'll talk about that on Thursday, preview the weekend. But uh, we're here to talk about the weekend that just happened. And, you know, Sunday's show, we um, recapped Saturday's action. Today, we will recap Sunday's action because there was quite a lot of lacrosse on Sunday, quite a lot of exciting lacrosse on Sunday, I should say. And we're going to start, I mean, where else can you start? At the Carrier Dome, Syracuse, New York, the Army Black Knights come in there in hand. Syracuse and eleven an eighteen to eleven loss. The Army Black Knights, I think it's the biggest margin of victory over Syracuse for Army since nineteen seventy three, I believe is what I heard. It might have been seventy three, seventy five ish, somewhere around there is when it was. But it's the biggest win, uh, margin of win uh, for Army over. Syracuse since the 70s. Uh, Brendan Nickton, Bobby Abshire were absolutely phenomenal. 
Uh, Brendan Nicktone with seven points, Abshire with six, and you know both had four goals. Uh, Nicktone had three assists, Abshire with two. Um, Abshire had those two Sports Center top ten uh, worthy goals. I know the diving goal was on uh, Sports Center top ten. Saw that uh, was it last night uh, is when it was on. So. Um, no fantastic offensive performance there for the Black Knights. And honestly, Syracuse, I had no answer. You know, after the second, they really had no answer for anything on either end. Uh, Wyatt Schupler on, on, in cage had another phenomenal game. Um, and that's just what he does. He has phenomenal games. 12 saves. 52% save percentage uh, for Wyatt Schuper. Again, another dominant performance out of him. We've seen that. Uh, we saw that pretty much all last year. We saw it against Virginia, despite that defense not being so cohesive. The defense around him was much more cohesive against Syracuse, and he was on fire once again. And they really limited Syracuse in what they could do. And, you know, once, because it was 6-1 to one with 2-0-2 left in the in the first. And um, you, you had that natural hat trick from Dordovic and then two straight from Buttermore and from Chimboli. And it's 6-1, 2-2 left in the first, right? Army gets a power play. Nick Turn, you know, cuts it to 6-2. That's the end of the quarter. And they, they come out, Army comes out in that second. That Nick Tone goal sparked a, was it a four or five goal run? Um, yeah, four goal run to make it eight to seven. A narrow eight to seven lead there in the second. Army really caught fire. And then in the second, no, excuse me, in the second half, in the third, they extended that run. Like they went on an eight to one run. From from base essentially the two from the two oh two mark, the two oh two mark in the first through I believe it was most of the third. It um yeah, through most of the third, they went on an eight one run and got up thirteen to eight. Um you saw some glimpses of like light from Owen Hiltz and Brendan Curry, uh, who made it a four goal game, like late in the uh, I believe it was late in the fourth, uh, early in the fourth. Uh, uh, and you know, that just it, it didn't hold. You know, you thought maybe okay, Syracuse can come back, they weren't able to do that. They were not able to do that. They could not stop Army on offense. They could not stop Army on de- on uh, on defense. They were just too good. They were the better team on this day. Now, you know, my initial takeaways from this game for Syracuse, there's obviously things to work on. Obviously things to work on. I mean, you just look at the stat sheet. Dordovic with five points. And then everybody else, Rafis and Scanlon, have three. 
But, you know, you, you've got to – when you're facing a defense like that and a team that's running on you like that, you've got to move the ball better. You've got to get more diversity in scoring there. Um, and, you know, Syracuse actually – at the faceoff dot, Jacob Fopp went 62%. Like he he had the he had the upper hand at the faceoff dot pretty much all game. Uh, Varello came in and went one of three, thirty three percent, not very good at all. Um, in the bit that he played, and then for Army you had Stephen Graber uh, went thirteen of twenty five, fifty two percent. Army did much better at the dot than they did against Virginia, but again I don't think Syracuse, I don't think Fop or Varello. Uh, are necessarily even on that PD Lasala level. So it was an easy opponent at the dot, but Army just completely dominated it there. And then when you look in cage, like I mentioned Schupler, Drake Porter, that's one of the worst games I've ever seen him play at Syracuse. I mean, he was he was pitiful. Now, granted, um, Syracuse was letting guys get to the inside, and that's never easy. As a goalie, when you have dudes on your doorstep every five seconds, right? That's never easy. So, um, you know, I, I see a lot of people putting it kind of on Porter, like, oh, he should have done more. Well, go back, watch the film, and you got dudes cutting to the crease, left and right, every single play, untouched. Untouched. Like, go back to that uh, that Abshire uh, goal, the Sports Center top 10 goal. He cuts right in there, untouched. Untouched, catches it in the air and puts it in. Uh, easy, easy goal there for Abshire on that one. Uh, I believe it was Nick Tone on the assist there. So Army gets the big one over Syracuse. You know, after this, they head to St. Joseph's, uh, which should be a decent one, and then they start uh, their Patriot League play on the 6th. Uh, at Boston U and uh, Patriot League, you know, as, as I've mentioned before, they're not doing a. They split them into two mini conferences. Oh, is it three or two? I can't remember. But they split them into like mini conferences. Um, and they're playing the like mini conference teams. Uh, so uh, and they're all like uh, cross division uh, games as well. Uh, so the Army Navy game is not. Uh, even though they're in separate divisions or whatever this year, that is not impacted. Uh, Syracuse moves to Virginia this weekend, which uh, that's going to be an interesting one. You know, obviously there's a lot to work on offensively, defensively. You know, with this Q's team, we saw flashes early on of what they could do. Um, I mean, you get out to a 6-1 start, that's not bad. Um, I, they've just got to be sustained and, and they had some good plays throughout the game, but like they, they just did not look ready to play. And when army went on that run, like it looked like they, I mean, they did not know what to do. They had no reaction. Uh, so again, a big one for army there. Um, we're going to move down a little bit to Georgetown where, um, actually this game was in Villanova. Uh, in Pennsylvania there. Um, Georgetown absolutely devoured Villanova. And uh, I did not get to watch this game, nor did I get to watch Providence-St. John's. Uh, both those 
Providence St. John's was not streamed. Georgetown Villanova was behind a paywall. Um, the Hoyas beat the Wildcats 16 to 1. 16 to 1 is that win there for the Hoyas. Um, they're really good. <laughs> like, they are really, really good. And, you know, coming into the season, I had always said, like, it's Denver and Georgetown, whichever team is best on that day. Um, and Georgetown, I think I had mentioned, I thought might come out a little slow uh, because they didn't have fall ball and all of that, um, especially against a team, you know, some of these uh, upper echelon teams. But then when they announced the conference-only schedule, and Georgetown's only doing conference-only, I believe, um, I kind of said to myself, I was like, oh, they're going to, they play in Loyola at the last game of the year, um, which may or may not happen, depending on if they have to make up a Big East game uh, on that um, May 1st date. So uh, that's the only non-conference game they could play. But uh, Georgetown, like, this team, you know, when they went to the Big East conference-only, conference-heavy schedule, I kind of said, like, oh, they're going to roll through that. Like, they're going to roll through everybody in the conference. And they've shown that early on. Um, now, I thought Villanova, this Villanova team was the third-best team in the conference, to be honest with y'all. I thought Villanova was the third-best team in the conference. I get it's the first game for both of these teams. I don't know necessarily um, what you know each team was dealing with um, uh, COVID-wise and all of that, if there were any missing players for Villanova. But, and again, I didn't watch this, but this is just a beatdown. This is a beatdown. It's the first time that they had held a team, any team, to one point, I think, since like 1983. I believe it was. Um, this was just an absolute drubbing. Um, you know, it's, it's the, look up the definition of beatdown, and this is that this game should should pop up. Um, okay, yes, it's the third time in the school's history that they've held a, an opponent to one goal. The other two times were against Catholic University in 1980 and Vermont in 2005. So it's, it's, it's been a quick minute since they've done that. Uh, this Georgetown defense, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, Owen McElvoy and Cage. And, 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 and look, look, we knew who these guys were. We, we knew how good this defense was going to be. Gibson Smith, McElvoy, all those guys. Um, but, man, you know, all the talk about the Twartons between Chris Gray, Michael Sowers, Jake Caraway has entered the chat, fellas. Um, eight goals, one assist. Um, and I'm going to pull up the stat real quick that I tweeted out on, I believe it was Sunday night or Monday morning, um, which is just astonishing for a guy like Caraway. So here it is. Jake Caraway, uh, at the end of this season, will be the Georgetown career leader, the program career leader in both points and goals. He's one goal away from um, surpassing his former teammate, Daniel Bucaro, in that uh, 
career mark. And then he is 13 points away from tie. Or he's one point away from tying the goal record. 13 points away from tying the point record. So he's going to break that this year. Um, heck, he, he could break it in the next two weeks. I mean, I would hope he gets a goal against who they play next. Uh, pull the schedule up here real quick. I mean, I would hope he gets a goal against St. John's. So, and then they do have a non-con against Mount St. Mary's. I mean, he's going to get surpassed both of those in the next two games. So, uh, Jake Kaleway, absolute, you know, astounding uh, 2021 debut. Another guy in the Big East that had himself a big day was uh, Providence faceoff man RJ Romero. 20 for 27 at 74% uh, at the faceoff dot against St. John's. Providence wins 16 to 8. Uh, again, this is one that was not streamed, so I didn't get to watch it, but um, pretty big win there for Providence. You know, they had lost by one goal to Bryant in a really defensive-heavy game. So to be able, and I know St. John's is not the cream of the crop of the Big East by any stretch, um, but they've certainly got their share of talented players on it. Um, And and conference games are always tough, especially this year when you do have so many outside factors that can play in on a game. You know, Providence, you know, they came to play. You had... Uh, Ryan uh, Naraki with six points, Dan Axelson with four, as well as Matt Leader, Tim Henricks, and Ryan Zimmerman each had uh, a hat trick. And, you know, the, the scoring diversity here was pretty good for Providence. Um, you saw in cage Toby Bergdorf, one of my favorite goalies in the country. You know, he came on the scene heavy last season. Um, he did not have himself that good of a day as far as saves were concerned. Three saves, uh, 38% there. Only eight goals allowed, though. So, you know, he, the goalie didn't have a, a stellar day. Only faced 13 shots, though, so that you do have to factor that in. Uh, but this, this Providence defense as a whole... Uh, played fairly well, and uh, Romero definitely, you know, g- gets the game ball uh, in in this one for Providence uh, for really willing them uh, towards the finish line in this one. Uh, last Sunday game that we're going to talk about here, actually second to last one because uh, we do have Carolina Richmond, uh, but Robert Morris took down Colgate seventeen to fourteen to get the Colonials. Their first win of the season. Uh, Ryan Smith with five goals. Jimmy Perkins, two goals, three assists. Um, you know, this was a situation where uh, it was like seven. I can't exactly remember what it was, but it was a, a, a very, very close game for the majority, um, especially of this fir- in, in the first half. Uh, let's pull up the box score here. Um, it was a very, very close game for most of the game, uh, most of the contest. 
go to the summary. Okay, here it is. So at half, it was nine to seven, Robert Morris, and the Colonials in the past, like in the past five thirty of the second quarter, went on a, it was just one, two, three, four, went on a five goal run to end the half. Uh, they were down seven to four, um, and you know I, I I kind of I tuned in at that point when they were down. And had that up, up on the computer, had the UNC Richmond game on the TV. And, you know, Robert Morris just, I mean, they lit a fire under their butts. I don't know what went on, but they just uh, absolutely went on on a hot streak there. Eight goal run from 530 in the second to seven, uh, what was that, 752 in the third uh, to take a 12-7 lead. And, like, once they got hot late in the second and early in the third, they never looked back here in this one. I mentioned Ryan Smith with a big day there, five goals uh, for him. I know Corson Keeley uh, had three goals, one assist, uh, which puts him in the 100-point club there. Um, For Colgate, you know, I thought this is a team. First of all, the the mesh jerseys they wore. Um, absolutely phenomenal uh, mesh jerseys. So we had a lot of good uniform combinations this weekend. You talk about the Ohio State all black, um, the Colgate, what is it, the Colgate, um, it, I don't know what color that is they wear. It's like maroon, but it was like bright, it, it, it looked like on the TV. Uh, porthole mesh jerseys. You had the high point, uh, the chrome helmets on, and was it black they wore? Um, against uh, UNC on Tuesday. So a lot of really good uniform combinations uh, overall last week in college lacrosse. Um, for Colgate, you know, Mike Hawkins, Brian Meniscus, uh, Minicus, I, I should say. I just want to say Meniscus. Um, Brian Minicus, uh both had good games, seven points, five points respectively. Um, Adam uh, Salavigi. So, uh, Salavigio with two goals and two assists. Uh, I know I butchered that one <laughs> um, for sure there. Um, you know, in cage for Robert Morris, you had, they they started Ben Savick as they have. They put Liam Rosenthal in there. Uh, 14 saves for Savick um, on the day. Uh, pretty solid one for him. Uh, faced only... 28 shots on cage, uh, Savick did, I guess. Uh, yeah, 28 shots on cage. Rosenthal didn't even face a shot um, there. Didn't even make a save. Um, was only there for about a minute at the end. Just overall, solid, solid win there for Robert Morris as they head to Notre Dame uh, this weekend. And then we'll play Bellarmine. Uh, the home opener, one of two home games. That one has been moved officially to March the 2nd. So officially moved to March the 2nd. Robert Morris and Bellarmine. Last game here, we're going to talk about the North Carolina Tar Heels. Took down the Richmond Spiders 14-10. to there as Carolina got the victory actually at Richmond 
Um, the second consecutive win, uh, I guess, no, third, excuse me, uh, third consecutive win over um, a SoCon team for Carolina. And um, this is one in which, you know, I got to give a ton of credit to Richmond here. And Richmond is no doubt the best team in the SoCon, in my opinion. Uh, high points close up there as well, for sure. Uh, but this Richmond defense, they did a good job of limiting Chris Gray. He had one goal, one assist. One goal, one assist. Like, that is a stat line I did not think I would see this year. Chris Gray had one goal and one assist in a game in which they had 14 points. And now Richmond did a great job, I thought especially early on, uh, keeping Carolina's offense overall at bay. But Brian Cameron, Patrick, William Perry, and Justin, Justin Anderson each had two goals and one assist. The Carolina offense, despite Gray not being his usual self, found a way. Um, and certainly at the face-off dot, you had Tucci and Teru go off again. Uh, you Andrew you 7 for 13. Zach Tucci, 11 for 13 there at the dot. Um, 85 and 54% respectively there for Tucci and Toyu. Um Another big day at the dot for them. You know, honestly, they I would probably put them up as one and two um, top face-off men in the country this year. They've certainly, certainly been playing like it. And uh, a big reason why Carolina is as highly ranked as they are right now, big reason why they have been able to have as much success as they have um, thus far through the early part of the season, believe. Is it five or four games into the season? Um, they will play High Point next here on Saturday. Uh, I'm excited for that one, certainly. A big rematch there with the Panthers. Uh, for Richmond in this game, I mentioned their defense played fairly well as I expected. Uh, Jack Russ Bolt with 19 saves, 58%. Uh, for Carolina, Colin Craig had 9 saves, uh, 50% there. Um, so a, a pretty solid game for both goalies. Russ Bolt obviously is, is pretty consistent, uh, one of the most consistent goalies in the country, and he did it again here today. Uh, Sean Mangas having a good day at the LSM spot. So Overall, besides the 14 points and Carolina, uh, uh, for, from watching this game, it, it essentially was one of those situations where talent eventually takes over um, and Carolina got the win there. But again, I mentioned it before and I'll mention it again. This is a very good Richmond team here. Uh, Ryan Lanchberry with two goals to assist. Dalton Young with three goals and one assist as well. Uh, very, He's having a solid sophomore season for himself. Uh, Richie Connell with three goals also. And um, I noticed a lot of people found uh, my favorite uh, player, uh, I guess favorite player name in college across from this game, uh, Mustang Sally, uh, midfielder out of Richmond. 
Um, but he's a sophomore. I remember last year they, you know, were announcing the uh, incoming freshman, and uh, you had a lot of people. Oh, Mustang Sally, uh, best name in lacrosse. So um, I, I I saw a lot of conversation on Twitter about that after the game. It's got to be the best name in lacrosse right now. I mean, it, you, you you can't get much better than that. Um, I, I I know the one guy from Towson. Uh, can't remember what his actual name is, but his nickname is Chop. And if you go to the, like, go to the bio on the Towson website, it says uh, he was nicknamed that because he was like 12 pounds as a newborn or whatever, or 8 pounds, something like that. And they called him, I can't remember what it was. It was shortened to Chop, but they called him something Spanish for baby burrito. So, like, between that and Mustang Sally, as you uh, you know, and they're probably the, the two best names that we've seen in college lacrosse thus far. And uh, as I mentioned, we've got more lacrosse coming up this midweek as well um, as into the weekend. Uh, we will preview the weekend games on Thursday's show. Um, if there's any specific specific games that you want me to hit, uh, just let me know. I usually preview uh, the big ones, so uh, we'll have uh, Ohio State Rutgers, we'll have Syracuse Virginia, um, we will have, looking through the schedule here, uh, certainly a UNC and High Point uh, will be on there as well. Um, I think we'll, we'll preview a bit of Duke. Air Force, a bit of Loyal, or Utah maybe. So uh, definitely some games to preview on Thursday, and we'll get to all of them. But any specifically that y'all want me to uh, highlight or talk about at all, just uh, shoot me a DM at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My personal Twitter is at Tanner underscore Demling. The website is lacrossebucket.com. And that has been it for this edition of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. As always, thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you all on Thursday.